On this episode of Mike Draft Dallas, we continue to deliver star power. Pro Football Hall of Famer Eric Dickerson drops in to talk about the name image likeness era in college football from the perspective of someone who played at SMU during the period that led to the Ponies receiving the NCAA death penalty for recruiting violations. Then we're joined by Jason Mengel, Championship Director of the PGA of America. He'll talk about all the championships that are coming to PGA Frisco. That and much more here on Season 2, Episode 5. Let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to Mike Drop Dallas, everyone. Kevin Sullivan here, joined as always by Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission and Next Level Marcus Carr. Thanks for listening, for watching on YouTube. If you enjoy this one-of-a-kind take on Dallas sports and sports business, please give us a five-star review. We'd appreciate that. Monica, what's happening for crying out loud at the Dallas Sports Commission? Well, you know, Sully, uh, I would say that the fall is a little slower for us, at least let us catch our breath. But uh, we we still are. We're doing a little work. Uh, next Monday, we have our men's Final Four bid presentation uh, for 2028 to 2031. So uh, a lot of work this week on prep and uh, final touches on what that presentation and bid may look like. Um, we've got upcoming the World Food Championships out at Fair Park uh, coming back for the third year. Uh, here in Dallas, and uh, just finished up interviews for three different positions that we're we're actually getting to hire people. So uh, excited to expand our staff a little bit with the number of events that we do uh, every year, um, and give I would say some breathing room a little bit to us, but take some take some stuff off everyone's plate a little bit. Uh, for our NCAA Women's Final Four, we had the our LOC meetings last week. Um, really getting further down the line and the and down the road in the planning process for March and April of 2023 and that uh, 50th anniversary of Title IX. So excited about that. We launched our Read to the Final Four program uh, last Monday. So excited to see um, additional schools and independent school districts sign up. Uh, hot announcement this week here in Dallas that Athletes Unlimited will be bringing our professional women's basketball league uh, to Dallas in 2023. Uh, it'll be out at Fair Park Coliseum, uh, same location that we hosted their uh, women's professional volleyball league. So other than that, Sully, I cannot believe it is almost Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, which is actually one of my favorite. Actually, it is my favorite time of the year outside of Texas OU Red River Showdown um weekend so i'm about to get into the christmas spirit hopefully you've been uh nice and not naughty because i like to go christmas shopping suddenly oh well i I, i'll do my best for a strong finish uh to the year you know monica we've had a number of mic drop dallas moments recently bruce bruce bochi being introduced on monday as the texas rangers new manager you know, they they promised urgency. Ray Davis did the owner and Chris Young, the GM in the offseason. They go out and they get the best available manager, three World World Series championships with the Giants. Uh, I think what this team, team needed with all those young players, a veteran manager who's been there before, that uh, that's pretty exciting. And 
The Stars are looking like they may run the table. They're off to a great start. Luca in the home opener went crazy. And uh, the Cowboys bounced back with a win uh, uh, last week against the Lions. We'll see what they do this week. So, as always, lots happening. And back in a moment with Pro Football Hall of Famer Eric Dickerson. But first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Join us for the ultimate running weekend at the 2022 BMW Dallas Marathon Festival, December 9th through the 11th. Register your corporate group or team today. Two-person half marathon relay, five-person marathon relay, and 5K team challenge options available. Perfect for team building. Bring your company out and enjoy all the energy and excitement surrounding the BMW Dallas Marathon Festival this December. Contact groups at rundallas.com for more info. Now it's a pleasure to be joined here on Mike Drop Dallas by the great Eric Dickerson, inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1999. Remember the all-NFL, all-decade team in the NFL for the 80s, set the rookie rushing record and the single-season uh, rushing record with 2,105 yards in 1984. About that, let that soak in for a minute. 2,105 yards in a single season. Five years ago, Eric joined the Rams front office as vice president of business development, rejoining the organization that drafted him out of SMU after a legendary career with the Mustangs. That was back in 1983. In addition to his work with the Rams, Eric has a strategic partnership with iHeartRadio. Eric, thanks for doing this. Welcome to Mike Drop Dallas. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Eric, let's start with what you're up to these days. Can you tell us a little bit about your role with uh, within business development with the Rams? Uh, I just do community community service work. You don't have to go to some of the games, not every game, especially the road games I don't go to. Um, helping with the suites and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's nothing too strenuous. I, you know, I'm not getting hit anymore, so that makes it a lot easier. <laughs> Well, yeah, I de definitely uh, not being on the field uh, has, to, has to be a little bit easier. So you work, I would think, or there are a lot of young players that are coming up. Um, and do these young younger players really fully understand what you've accomplished uh, in your time in playing the game? <laughs> I don't know. You know, the young players are a little bit different, you know, than, than when we played. You know, we had respect for the older players that played the game. You know, we knew them by name, you know, the guys that, uh, had played before us, you know, it was exciting to play against certain guys that you, you know, watched on television. Like when I played against Lawrence Taylor, um, um, you know, Jack Youngblood, you know, the guy playing, playing Youngblood, Jackie Slater, you know, Nolan Cromwell, you know, those guys, uh, it was, it was an honor, you know, and I think today's NFL guys um, think that, you know, they've been told that they're good for so long coming out of, coming out of high school and college that, you know, they think they don't need any any help or any guidance, but uh, let me tell you, they're way off the mark. You know, and some guys come in and do a good job for themselves. They really do. And I think it comes it really comes down to your brain. Yeah, but I can I could totally understand that. I, you know, I've had the opportunity to be with the, some of the professional leagues through the event side of things, where they have a lot of great educational programs for for rookies coming in, whether it's you know financial. Um, education and that sort of thing. So I appreciate what some of the leagues try to do for those younger players coming in. Yeah. I mean, look, the NFL is, is when I came, they did a poor job of, of educating players because, um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, wasn't making a lot of money. Some guys were, but not a lot of money. You know, you're making, you, you went from zero to making, uh, you know, 50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars uh, and playing professional football. 
and not know what to do with it. I mean, and they, they see people, your family members, and they want to see, we got a $2 million, $2 million contract for four years. They think you get $2 million up front. You know, it oh. don't work like that. You know, and then still sometimes today people think, oh, we got $10 million to sign. You know, we ain't getting $10 million. <laughs> you know, you got, you got taxes and everything else to pay. So, you know, like I said, they, they've done a better job of, of educating the players and trying to help the players, uh, you know, in the last couple of years. So you, you published an autobiography earlier this year. Um, why did you call it Watch My Smoke? That's a good question. Uh, I, I called it Watch My Smoke because of uh, uh, a guy that was like a dad to me. Uh, his name was Stanley LeBlanc. He was from New Iberia, Louisiana. And best way I could put it, he was like a, a very spiritual guy, you know, very Christian guy. And uh, I can say anything that he told me that was pretty much going to happen, happened. He asked me, I told him, you know, I talked to him. He knew my, my mother, my grandmother knew. And uh, we talked about when I was getting drafted, he said, I don't know a lot about football, but, you know, I know you're, you know, you're a good player, blah, blah, blah. And I told him where I want to get drafted to. I won't forget it. And he said, are you sure? I said, yes, sir, I'm sure. And sure enough, I got drafted to the Rams. Uh, the year that I ran for 2,000 yards, um, he told me, because he, he told me, he said, you're going to do things that people have never seen before in the NFL. My first year, I told him, because I wanted to break OJ's record. That was my thing. OJ is my favorite player. He said, I think you might break it that first year. You're going to get very close. And sure enough, I did. And the next year, I did break it. He told me, you're going to break it this year. And then I, he would always say, boy, watch my smoke. He said, I, I told you, I, I'm good at what I do. I, I know what I'm talking about. And uh, he told me, he said, Eric, he said, one day, he said, you're going to write a book. Uh, I said, really? He said, you're going to write a book, son. He said, I won't be here. He said, but you'll write a book. And I said, if I do, I said, I'm going to name it Watch My Smoke. He said, you don't have to do that. I said, I want to do it for you. And so I named, I, I called the book, Watch My Smoke, after my friend, Stan LeBlanc. Oh, my. That just gave me uh, goosebumps. That's uh, that's amazing. Well, I'll have to get Watch My Smoke and uh, and, and read it later on uh, Um when I have some downtime or on my next vacation. So, but what you kind of said there reminded me of, of things that I like to, uh, little nuggets that I like to give to some of my students at SMU. Not only am I the uh, executive director of the da Dallas Sports Commission, but I teach a class, Contemporary Issues of Sport Management at SMU undergrad class. And I always take the, try to take the opportunity on the podcast to, uh, you know, ask some of our guests of, you know, if you could, I won't say go back or if there's, you know, lessons or advice that you would give your younger self or some of these college students coming up, what what would that be? That's a good question. I mean, you, know, you can always, hindsight is 2020. Well, one thing is I, I know I would, I would really concentrate on, I graduated college because my mother wanted me to do that. And I, you know, I never did. I said, I'd always go back, but I just don't have time. <laughs> I like to say I feel bad. But I, I tell I tell young men and I tell young I tell a young man you know really take your time and, and and keep that word keep your word and graduate from college and know that patience is a virtue in a lot of things I know we want things right now I was that person I mean I want it right now I wish I could be more patient with things when I was younger um, uh, other than that I mean you know look I can't say I had a perfect life but I've had a good life I mean I, I got to say my mother because uh, my dad passed me when I was seventeen and I say the best man I ever knew and I was adopted but he's the best man I ever knew. Um, my mother told me when I, when I was looking at schools, uh, universities, uh, and I wanted to go out of, I wanted to go out of state. I wanted to go to OU really bad. You know, that was my, that, that's still my second college. You know, I like to watch, but you know, I'm a Mustang. I'm doing through it. And she said, Eric, she said, let me tell you something, son. She said, first of all, 
you ain't gonna live in no Oklahoma. <laughs> no, you come out of college, you don't live in no damn Oklahoma. You're a Texas boy. <laughs> so I mean, I didn't think about that, but you know, she's right. She was right. I wouldn't want to live in Oklahoma. And nothing against Oklahoma. That's not me. And she said, if, when you go, if you go to SMU, she said, you'll be the first. You'll start something people will still be talking about years later. And I got to say, man, she was so right about that, really. She was so, so correct on that. And I mean, I didn't plan it like that. But, you know, I would tell people, young, young, you know, just be patient. You know, your time is coming. And, and, and God has a time for everyone. And when, when, it, when it comes, be ready for it and take full advantage of it. Because sometimes you only get one opportunity. Sometimes you get two. Sometimes you get three, but sooner or later, the, the glass runs dry. Well, speaking of college football, let, let's talk about name image likeness. SMU has turned your 1979 Trans Am, or as a lot of a lot of Mustang fans call it, the Trans, Trans A&M. A&M. <laughs> that has been just unimaginably has been turned into a recruiting pitch today. We have Bryce Young at Alabama with millions of dollars in, 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 in deals. Uh, with all that happened around the death penalty and all that stuff so many years ago, how do you feel about the way the script has flipped here in college football with these players uh, with a little bit of a roundabout way uh, getting paid so much? Well, me personally, I think it's way overdue. I really do. I think that, uh, you know, people always say, well, you know, what about other sports? What about baseball? What about, you know, women's basketball and women? And look, I'm, I'm big on, on women's sports. I really am. I think that's the greatest thing ever for, for women. But I understand this at baseball and basketball, even men's basketball. You're never going to see 100,000 people at a, at, a, at a basketball game. You're never going to see, you know, uh, another 50,000 at tailgate. It doesn't work like that. Football is run by football. I mean, and I just feel like that these kids, you know, girls and guys, you know, for their sports have have earned the right to get, make something off of it. I mean, the university makes it, the president makes it, the, the dean makes it, the coach gets, the coach gets paid. I mean, everybody gets paid except the guys and the girls who are doing the labor. You know, so in the me, I've always thought, I always said, I said, this is a form of, of slavery. It, I mean, it really is. It's always been. I mean, you get a chance to, you they, well, you get a chance to eat <laughs> and, and be housed. Well, that, they did the slaves like that. And not just black slaves, you know, the the, the, the the Jewish, the Hebrews. I mean, so I just always felt that the players, the athletes should get something. And I'm happy they're getting it, you know. Now, how they're breaking it down, I don't know. But I'm, I'm really glad because, you know what, they deserve it because, Look, every person that plays professional, I mean, plays college sports at a high level is not going to make it to the NFL. They're not. And to have something, some, 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 something set aside, some money set aside for your labor that you've done for your university, I think it's well worth it. I mean, if it's, if you get out of college and you have $100,000, $100,000 that, that you didn't have before, I think, I think, I think it's great. So, I'm all for I'm all for the for the NILs. I think I think it's, it's way overdue and, and it should have been done years ago. And as far as the the trans am trans AM, you know, they always put the death penalty on, on me and Craig James. And you know, we didn't get the death penalty. And there was no death penalty when I was I played, you know, I played four years. They put us on a on assault probation because of Texas, you know, snitched and they were the biggest crooks. The <laughs> biggest crooks. You hear that, Monica? Texas Oh my gosh, they were the biggest group. I mean, I knew the players. So we all knew each other. We knew what, you know, we knew, we all knew what each other was getting and stuff like that. And we wasn't getting that much. I mean, look, a couple of hundred dollars. The guy got a car, you know, that's, that's, that's what it was. And, um, but yeah, I just, the, the like payroll that. to meet was really the next to Bobby Collins, Sean Stopperidge, David Stanley. That was kind of right. The, that's, the next that, phase. That's, yeah. that, that, that was, that was, that was a phase. But, you know, the problem with it is, 
it comes back to me. Right. It comes back to Craig James. It always says that we got them the death penalty. We I was in the pros five years and they got the death penalty. Right. That's why that's why I laugh at it every time every time they say it. But I'm all for the NILs. I'm I'm, I'm glad the guys, you know, and, and girls are getting something off of the sport that they, they love and they play. And you're you're part of the alumni group that has pledged a million dollars as as part of the the collective that's been formed around SMU athletes. Why did you I I, I can I, I see how strongly you feel about this, but why did you want to go so far as to put your own money into it? I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, I, I think it's the right thing to do. I, I think that, uh, that you know, like I said before, this was way overdue. It's way, way overdue. I mean, for so many players. I mean, I think of so many athletes that, that that gave so much to a university. And after you leave the university, like sometimes some guys didn't get a job. They couldn't get a job. I mean, they, they were they were beat up from playing college football or college basketball or girls swimming or girls tennis, whatever. And they got nothing, you know, to, to help them on the way. And I just feel like, I just feel like it was overdue, and, and it was it was time. And then look, it's, it's time. Time changed. I mean, it's, it's like this. You know, a uh, hundred years ago, they they'd wash clothes and you know hang them on a the line. Well, now we have washing machines or we have cars. I mean, if you want to <laughs> you want to take a covered wagon and go from California to Texas? No, I want to take a cover. I want to I want to fly. So yeah. you got to go along with the times. That, that's that's a good point. Um, on a personal note, Eric, when I moved to Dallas in in uh, May of nineteen eighty. One of the first people I met was Ron Meyer. I, I knew Ron, or I became to know Ron through uh, my friend Tim Clojo and his cousins, Mike Barr and Phil Barr, who worked in the athletic department. Of course, Mike Barr was a was a coach, uh, I believe, on the defensive side of the ball. But defensive side of the ball, yeah, yeah. So I knew those guys, and they got me connected. And of course, I went to Purdue, and Coach Meyer was a Purdue guy. And I may he rest in peace. I always had great admiration for him, both as a uh, as a as a coach, I later reunited with him in the XFL when I was at NBC Sports. Always enjoyed being in his company. What do you think Coach Ron Meyer would make of of what's happening today in college athletics, uh, especially on the NIL front, but also realignment and just everything that that's happening? I think he'd be very pleased. Also, look, first of all, Ron Meyer was a man. He was a good man. I mean, I mean. When I say I miss Coach Meyer, I miss Coach Meyer. I mean, he was, he was like that. I said like a third dad to me, really, because he, he he was the reason I went to SMU. If it wasn't for Coach Meyer, I didn't have went to SMU. To be honest with you, I mean, it just wasn't gonna happen. I mean, he got my mother, my great mother, my great my great great aunt who raised me. He got her, and she got. And she told me, I said, I want you. That's where I want you to go. And so uh, I think that he'd be very pleased with it because you know, Ron, I, another thing I like about it, Ron was all about fairness. It's fair, you know, and and that, and that's what it's about. It's about, it's not about, you know, being arrogant or, or being, um, you know, taking some, taking advantage of something. It's just, it's all about fairness. And I, I really believe that the NIL is about fairness, you know, for the players. I mean, for, and I call them players. I mean, they're, they're players. And um, look, the president at the, at the university and at NCAA, they don't work for free. You know, they don't. <laughs> I mean, think about a lot of these kids when they leave college and let's just say they had a knee surgery or two. And they have no money after they get out of the college to have health care. Some of them don't have health care. You got to go buy your own health care. I just think it's a, it's a plethora of things that, that we never think about. You know, you see a guy play on, on Saturday and then he leaves college. But four or five years later, you know, man, whatever happened to so-and-so? What happened to him? You know, uh, you know, and, and most of the time the college you don't reach back. They don't reach back to the colleges because as a, as a former player, I can tell you the, the mentality of, of a football player. We don't whine. We don't whine. We don't cry. You know, it's like 
you know, hey, you suck it up, son. Get out there and play. You know, same thing in the NFL. Guys who have a lot of mental health problems going on, the health problems, period. Not just mental health, but health problems, period. You ask them, man, how you doing? And the first thing is, oh, man, I'm good. But they're really not good because that's how we're programmed. You're programmed that way. So for me, I think that that Ron will be very proud of of, uh, of the way it's, it's going. You know, like I said, in this book, it has a long way to go. You know, it's it's not a it's not a quick fix. It's just um, it's something I think that's trying to do the right thing. So, Eric, before we we let you go, I want to just kind of get your thoughts on what are the next steps or what should we foresee with the NCAA and college football? A lot of disruption going on. Obviously, a lot of. Uh, continuous conference realignment uh, go, going on. Um, NCAA themselves going to have new leadership coming uh, the beginning of the year. So uh, CFP expansion taking place. So give us your thoughts on what is the state of uh, college football? Well, honestly, you know, I don't watch a lot of college football. I do like college football because I think it's a little bit more pure than NFL. I think everybody, you know, they, they, they say paying the players, whatever, I think it's fair. They're not making a million dollars, like $10, 15000000 million a year, that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, the realignment thing is, look, sometimes you have to realign. I, but I've always been big on this. In your area, like I like this old Southwest Conference. I just don't understand why, why you know, that, that conference was the best conference. It was us. It was Texas. And outside, the outside school was Arkansas. We didn't understand that, but it was close enough to Texas to be part of, the, part of our conference. I just feel like when you stay in those areas, like California, it should be, to me, it should be Cal, it should be SC, it should be San Diego State, UCLA, in in your area. I mean, I know, uh, I think uh, SC is going to, what, the Big uh, Big 12, I forgot Big what is them, them yeah. moving, Big 10, Big 10. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be flying across country. I mean, I mean that, that's tough, but you know what? It's all about the money. So like said, follow the money, and that's why the teams go. I mean, let's just be honest. It's, it's all about the money. It's about television. Um, you never know what's going to happen. Um, is it is it all good? No, it's not all good. Is it all bad? No, it's not all bad. Uh, I think that you'll have a, a better sense of it in the next, let's say, five years, I think, where everything kind of settles down and people will be in their conference and you'll just see how it goes. And um, But it's hard to say, you know, where college football is going right now. I can say for the NIL, I think it's going in the right direction there. I don't, like I said, I'm not an expert on it, but I, I still feel very strongly about players getting some compensation uh, for playing college football and, and, and the girls playing sport, any sport. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm for all, all athletes getting some type of money. I'm, I'm just for it. I just think it's, I think it's the right thing to do. So, but as far as the college alignment and the conferences, I can't tell you on that. I, I don't know enough about it. Yeah. The money has trumped the uh, regional aspect <laughs> of it. You know, like right. you said, money, the answer to all your questions is money. Uh, well, Eric, it's been a real treat having you on. I think I'm going to remember, we used to hang clothes on a line. Now we got a now we got a washing machine and a dryer. You want to take a covered wagon across country? No, we want to fly. And that's the really things really do change constantly. And and it's great to to uh, have you on the mic drop, Dallas, and talk about about uh, both your experiences at SMU and how you feel. Some hot takes on how you feel about things today. So we appreciate that. Thanks for uh, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hey, and go Mustangs. Go Mustangs. And. Uh, now I'm going to hand over to uh, to Marcus for our, our next interview and Monica for our next interview with Travis Miller of PGA Memes. You're not going to want to miss this, but first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Love lacrosse? Need a part-time gig? 
IWLCA is looking for workers to help out at the IWLCA President's Cup and IWLCA debut November 18th through the 20th. Open positions include setup slash breakdown, field marshalling, Gatorade, and hospitality. Spend your weekend with us in Dallas. Contact Rena Weiss at rweiss at elitetournaments.com to learn more. Again, that's Rena Weiss at rweiss at elitetournaments.com. Now, we're really pleased to be joined here on Mike Drop Dallas by Jason Mengel. Past 13 years or so, he's been a championship director for the PGA of America enjoying their new home in, at PGA Frisco's. Jason, thanks for, for joining us. Well, thanks for having me today. So tell us about the role. You have one of the more interesting jobs in sports. Tell us what a championship director does and what championships you're working on right now. Yeah, well, typically a person in my position uh, would move around to a new host site basically every two to three years and basically go in and establish, um, stand up, if you will, a major championship from from scratch. You know, oftentimes when we arrive at a typical host site, we wouldn't even have an office. Uh, but my newest assignment, a permanent home for me and my family, is here at PGA Frisco. Uh, very excited to be leading our run of major championships uh, from now through currently announced 2034. So this marks the end of an itinerant lifestyle. When I first met you in 2015, you were living in Wisconsin. You had been been there for a couple of years doing the 2015 PGA championship give our listeners a sense of all the stops you've made in your long career putting on championships for the pga of america yeah so i'm originally from suburban detroit and in my first five or six years of my career i worked for our pga tour event at the time which was the buick open uh 2006 had an opportunity to join the staff of the 2008 pga championship held at oakland hills and then from there the rest is history so moved to atlanta for two years around the 2011 pga uh, St. Louis for a couple of years around the, the 2013 KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship at Belle Reve. Then, as you mentioned, Wisconsin for the 2015 PGA Championship, then Charlotte for the 2017 PGA Championship. And then from October uh, 17 until just this past June, was living in Wisconsin surrounding uh, the 2020 Ryder Cup. So you roll into a place, whether it's St. Louis or yep. Kohler, Wisconsin, and there's nothing there. You stand it up. What is, what's the you got volunteers? You have corporate hospitality tickets. You got the, the whole thing to pull together. What's the first thing you do? Yeah, the first and maybe the most important thing is putting together our championship staff. And so over those years, I was moving around. I was very fortunate uh, to have some of our key positions move with me each and every year. Um, and so after that, you start to put together the host committee. Uh, then you have a place like we needed a physical office. So that takes a lot of time. And then from there, usually the next item of priority is, is launching corporate hospitality sales in the market. Cause uh, especially for an event like the Ryder cup, that takes years uh, of budget cycles and years of planning. And, and so that's, and then from there it's recruiting volunteers and ticket sales and operational planning. You know, we're building a, a city on a golf course and a lot of municipalities aren't used to permitting uh, that size of temporary infrastructure. So again, that takes years of planning in advance of the event. So Jason, you've got six major championships coming to PGA Frisco over the next 12 years, I believe, uh, in, including the women's KPMG 2020 and 2025, yep. the PGA championships in 27. Uh, I think first up is the 2023 KitchenAid Senior PGA. Um, 
Tell our listeners, how are the plans coming? What other events and activations are out there besides just the action on the course? Yeah, so first and foremost, it is a major championship. And the first time a major championship has been played in this part of Texas in a generation. Uh, and so it's a great opportunity for sports fans to, to come out and, and experience major championship golf. Uh, from there, it's probably going to be the first look that many of our guests will have had uh, to the PGA Frisco campus. And so that includes the entertainment district, which is what we're going to use as a main spectator entryway uh, for our, our championships, at least the sponsored events uh, here in, in 23 and 25. And then once you get on on the golf course and you, and you experience Gil Hans's amazing test of golf, I, I think you're going to be surprised uh, if this is your first visit at the amount of undulation that incurs you in, as you walk around the property. Uh, and then just to, to come out here and see the, the breathtaking clubhouse and the beautiful resort and the new home of the PGA of America, I think uh, all of that will, will keep your head spinning. And then our title sponsor, KitchenAid, brings a number of interesting assets, uh, primarily their, their fairway club, which will, will have celebrity chefs throughout the week doing demonstrations. And those will be announced a little closer to the event, but I, I'm sure there'll be familiar uh, names to the foodies here in the Dallas area. Oh, well, you, you hit on something there. Uh, Dallas does like their, their foodies and uh, uh, different chefs and opportunities. So that, that's going to be pretty fun and very unique. Um, you had a corporate partner day recently. How big of an advantage is it for, uh, with our you know, Dallas business community uh, for you to, to be here and have that corporate uh, access to corporate partners? Yeah, I think at least for our sponsored events, including Next May's KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship, really the driver of success, not just for corporate, but for volunteers and for tickets will be the local community. And when we get to the 27 to 34 PGA Championships, a little more of a global, um, a global audience, but certainly for the sponsored events, the driver of success is, is going to be those local businesses. And, and, you know, we had a full field shotgun uh, for our event, our corporate preview earlier this month, and we've had great response from the media in the area and so very excited to, to be uh, humbly receiving that level of support from the community. So Jason, a, a brand new facility, what's the biggest challenge you incur with planning a, a championship at a, at a new facility? Yeah, I'd say the biggest challenge we're going to have is, you know, we're not going to get everything right the first time. Now, an advantage we have from that is that we get to learn and continually implement things. You know, typically we'd be coming back to a host site five, 10 years down the road, but with our every other year nature of events through 2034, we have a time, like real time to actually implement some of those things. And so, you know, starting from scratch, as I mentioned earlier, the first event we, we were hosting here, we're having to build things like our vendor compound, which once we get that built, will be usable for the, the next uh, 20 years, but just building things that are, you know, normal parts of the championship infrastructure over the next few months is what we're focused on. Okay, Jason, I get this question uh, all the time here. Okay. Um, what are the chances we're going to get a Ryder Cup one day? Well, my focus right now is on making sure that our first event next May, the 2023 KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship, is, is goes off flawlessly for the community and our stakeholders. And uh, I'm not sure able to sponsor, but uh, I'd say stay tuned uh, to the future as there's a plenty of excitement down the road. Monica? Because sounds like somebody's been through some media coaching. I don't, I don't know. I know. I don't know who has who, who's been training him, Sully. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we're going to put you on the spot just a little bit, uh, Jason. Okay. Give us a 
you're dealing with all these logistics and all the things that you mentioned. Give us a, a story from your experience of something wild and wacky that, that happened that our listeners and, and viewers on YouTube uh, may be surprised to, uh, to hear about. Yeah, well, obviously, major championships are, are held outdoors. And so there's been a number of times through my career, whether it's during gate hours or in the overnight, um, that we've had to deal with storms coming through and certainly had a couple of those over the years. Um, but I'm still here. <laughs> and I think, you know, positive coming out of that is when you have an, an, um, an obstacle like that that's outside of your team's direct control, it's all about how you respond to it. And I think in those instances where we did have something outside of our control to deal with that really galvanized our, our team as a unit. And the next day, um, if you were a spectator and came back out, you would have never even known what we went through the night before. So, Well, and, and you also have the secret weapon, the Kerry Haig, the chief championships officer. Yes. There's nobody in golf uh, at any uh, at any level of golf anywhere who will set up a course and run a championship like Kerry does. What's it like? Uh, you know, your experience working with Carrie all, all these years. Yeah, I, I've been very fortunate to um, learn from one of the best in the game ever that's ever done this. And so I'm constantly fascinated when we're out there looking at something, just the eye that he has, um, of course, for the competitive side of, of golf and course setup, uh, but also for the outside the ropes aspect and, and getting down to like the angle of the bleachers on number one and whether they're going to have a view if he pulls the tee all the way back or if we have to put it forward. It's amazing to watch, actually. And then, the, of course, the PGA of America being a member organization, yeah. 28,000 men and women, golf professionals from all around the, the country. PGA Frisco is, is, is their new home. How yeah. will, how, at these championships, how do those, those incredible coaches and teachers of the game, how do they uh, become involved uh, you know, during the course of championship week? Well, if they're talented players, 35 of them will have an opportunity to qualify into the, the senior PGA championship next year. Um, but outside of that, I would imagine that this facility, the new home of the PGA of America, if you will, um, will be a magnet for them 365, but certainly during our championships. You know, they're, they're all, I imagine, will we'll be down here, whether it's to continue their education, to um, experience the innovation going on in the game, or of course, to, to experience our championships with maybe some of their key stakeholders from their, their clubs or facilities around the country. Sounds like you're fully subscribed on volunteers for the for the KitchenAid uh, Senior PGA Championship, but how can our listeners get get tickets uh, to the event, which takes place May 24th through 28th of 2023? Yeah, I'd say if you're interested in tickets or hospitality um, or pro-am opportunities, very easy. You can just go to srpga.com and take it from there. All right, well, Jason, thanks so much for, uh, for some time today. All the best in your planning. For the KPMG, I'm sorry, for the KitchenAid uh, PGA Senior PGA Championship, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, and in 2027, uh, uh, the, the PGA Championship. Uh, thanks for some time today and all the best. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Great to see you guys. And on behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to uh, Jason Mengel of the PGA of America for joining us, along with Eric Dickerson uh, and that uh, fascinating conversation. Uh, thanks to our Mic Drop production team led by Icy Strain and Marcus Carr ran over at Vocal Media uh, and, uh, of course, our showrunner, Tony Faye. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time, everybody.